a good friend came to me with an investment and it was outside of the scope, it wasn't in commodities or anything that I was really experienced in, but it was a business investment. It was an established business. So it wasn't like it was a startup or anything like that. And from an analytical perspective, I think I did the right thing in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what's the probability of loss and, you know, what's the upside and all the normal things that somebody would do. But what I didn't do was I didn't factor in that this was a friend. And what I didn't factor in was what might be the damage beyond the dollars if it didn't go well. And sad to report, it didn't go well. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Catherine Flax. Catherine, are you ready to rock? I am so ready. All right. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Catherine has had a distinguished multi-decade career in financial services, fintech, and commodities. She currently is an advisor and board member to numerous startups and mature businesses, bringing expertise in business and strategic growth, innovation, talent development, regulatory affairs, and more. Catherine was the CEO of Paffin, the world's first AI financial advisor. Before that, she was the managing director and head of commodity derivatives for an exchange in emerging market sales and trading for the Americas at BNP Paribas and as chief marketing officer of JP Morgan, as well as CEO of commodities for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Catherine, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Sure. I think the question that I get the most from my bio is what in the world does commodity derivatives, banking, chief marketing officer, and being the CEO of an AI company have to do with each other? Because it all does seem a bit random. And I think for me, it's all about innovation and it's all about pushing that envelope on what's next. And I've been really passionate about digging deep into what the evolutions are in our business. And that's kind of what's led me to where I am today. That's exciting. Yeah, there's so much going on, I mean, in the industry, and it's fascinating. I mean, the biggest question that I'm always asked and that I'm always thinking about is, is AI going to get rid of the job of financial professionals? And so I'm going to give you my answer, and you tell me where I'm right or wrong from your view. But what I always say is the markets are a little bit more complex than a machine learning type of situation where you can learn the behaviors because just when I, as an investor, think I have figured out the behavior of the market, something changes. And so I'm just curious, how do you respond to that type of question? Sure. Absolutely. And I would say that like in the fields of medicine and others where artificial intelligence is having a huge impact in financial services and particularly in wealth management, there are many things that a machine can do well. And then there are bespoke things that you really, really want to have somebody who can sit across the desk from you and who can learn in real time about what's happening and leverage their experience. And so what I think is that it isn't about whether or not machines are going to take over. I don't think they will. It's really much more about where is the line between what machines do and what human beings do. And so even as simple as when you go now to dinner, if you go to a restaurant, it better be a wow experience because otherwise you may as well just go log in and have it delivered to your house. It's the same sort of an experience, I think, with finances and, and with medicine. But certainly, if I break my leg, I want a doctor to set that bone. 
There you go. Well, I think that's a great story about the restaurant. And now we can just get it, you know, online and get it at home. So I go for the wow. And last night, just to give an example, there's an industry that many people predicted was dead. And that was the films and theaters. Oh, yeah. And in some places, you know, they have suffered. But in Bangkok, Thailand, where I am, last night I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody in the theater and I would never see it anywhere else it was amazing absolutely it's on my agenda too <laughs> it's worth it ladies and gentlemen well that's a great little tidbits about your life and some good advice for the listeners about what's happening in the world of ai and how we can think about that so now it's time to share your worst investment ever and since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story Sure. Well, I had been a professional in financial services for some time when I got into my worst investment, and I was pretty well practiced at thinking through what were the scenarios and what were the potential loss cases. And I have to say that even coming into this conversation, I loved the opportunity to step back and think about well, what actually makes a worst investment a worst investment? Because it isn't necessarily just about dollar loss or dollars that you think you should have made that you didn't. For me, a lot of it is much more around, did I miss something in my analysis? Because if you knew going in that you could lose X and you lost X, that probably isn't such a bad thing. It was a calculated risk. You took it and then that's what happened. So when I was really thinking about this, I was thinking about what is the situation that I missed it. Like I really didn't see what was going to happen. And the training and the discipline that I typically bring to an investment scenario, for some reason, it fell apart. And that brought me to an experience that I had some time ago, probably uh, almost 15 years ago, where a good friend came to me with an investment. And it was outside of the scope, it wasn't in commodities or anything that I was really experienced in, but it was a business investment. It was an established business, so it wasn't like it was a startup or anything like that. And from an analytical perspective, I think I did the right thing in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what's the probability of loss and, you know, what's the upside and all the normal things that somebody would do. But what I didn't do was I didn't factor in that this was a friend. And what I didn't factor in was what might be the damage beyond the dollars if it didn't go well. And sad to report, it didn't go well. Not different from my expectations of potential downside risk. So that part analytically was fine. But I didn't expect, because this was really the first time that I put myself in the position of mixing friendship and business, that it would destroy a friendship. And it was not because I was angry. It wasn't because I sent out the loan sharks or whatever. It wasn't anything like that. It was just the embarrassment and the the humiliation, really, of the person on the other side who's just like, okay, now I, I can't really see you anymore. And, you know, in retrospect, it's so obvious, but you don't necessarily, as you said, you don't think about it going in. If you did, you wouldn't have done it. And so by far the worst investment I ever made, not necessarily in dollar loss. It really wasn't that big of a deal in dollar loss. It was really all about unanticipated consequences that really so far are pretty irreparable. Wow. There's a lot to that. And uh, just, I actually get tears in my eyes thinking about it because what you're talking about really is losing friendship and yes. that's far, far worse than losing money. So what lessons did you learn? If you had to kind of list them out, what lessons did you learn from this experience? Well, I think it's important to say that the takeaway for me was not, don't ever go into business with friends. It was, 
be a lot more cautious before going into business with friends and also really spell it out and have the conversations up front about exit strategy, just like you would in a normal business, but you have to add the exit strategy of, and how is this going to impact our friendship? And I'm happy to report on the one hand that I have gone into business with friends since then, sort of happy to report that it hasn't always worked out financially, which is not good financially, but what I'm happy to report is it didn't ruin the friendship. And so I think that I really learned how to have the appropriate conversation up front about what are we going to do in these scenarios and really look somebody in the eye and make them understand that this is a possibility, even though entrepreneurs don't like to think about that and be able to make sure that we were able to move forward as friends, if not as business colleagues. Fantastic points. So let me summarize my takeaway. As you were speaking, I was taking notes and thinking about some kind of really smart things to say, but really I'll just tell, you know, a story and that is that for those people that are listening who know me they know that I'm a member of one of those 12 step programs and in one of those 12 step programs they have something that they say are ever reminded to place principles before personalities and that concept is such a powerful concept because it's really saying you know how do we survive and not let our personalities destroy ourselves yeah. and our Personalities are ultimately driven by our fears and all of that. So I started a business together with my best friend many years ago, 23 years ago. And he also was, you know, he appreciated this idea. And so we always said principles before personalities in our business discussions. In addition, what we said from the beginning, now these are just kind of words and you could argue that when the tough times come, they'll be tested. But what we said to ourselves is that if we ever felt like we were going to lose our friendship because of this business, we agreed that we would close it. Yes. And that was kind of like ground rules that we started with. And then, you know, we started selling our coffee. We have a coffee factory roasting coffee and, and Dale runs that business and has for 23 years. And I'm an investor, a board member, and really advisor to him to help him in any way I can and the team. But you know, immediately within the first year of operation, we hit the 1997 Asian crisis and that mm. just knocked us to our knees. We had to move into our factory in Bangkok and try to just survive in one little room with two beds like we were back at university. And the point is, is that at that time, our relationship was truly tested. And somehow we made it through that, keeping principles before personalities. And we agreed I would also add one little point as an outsider, as an advisor, as a shareholder, I always felt like I had to be really careful. I mean, of course, I want to push hard and, you know, I want to add a lot of value. But the reality is, is that there are points in time that winning means losing. Yes. And that's where I had to always back off and say, it's up to you. You're running it. This is my feedback. You know, take it as you wish. And I always felt like if I wanted to win an argument, then I would lose the friendship or lose the business. So rather than go through the different things that I learned from your story, I'll just tell that story. Of, I actually agree with what you say is that I wouldn't completely avoid business with friends, but set the ground rules is kind of my takeaway from what you've said and my takeaway from my own experience. Anything you'd add? Yeah, I mean, a great story. And I also think that uh, to some extent, this sh experience shaped how I interact with others, even if they aren't my close friends in business. And I think that the point that you just made 
applies to all investors. So you as an investor taking that approach of sometimes winning is losing. In my experience in speaking with lots of different investors in my prior businesses, knowing who's investing in your company and understanding how well do they understand you and are they really there to support you and is there a point at which they will also agree that winning is losing, that's the kind of investor that you really want. And if you don't have that and if you think, okay, well, just taking the money doesn't really matter, you could find yourself in a really bad situation with investors who really don't have your best interests at heart. And if you get it right, which I have my other business, ASTOTS Investment Research, where I started working with a Thai man side by side when I was a young analyst and he was supporting me. And then he developed over time and became much, you know, extremely advanced in many ways. And then for 20 years, we worked together. And five years ago, we set up our own business. And, you know, we are great friends. So we build a friendship through our business rather than came into business as friends. Right. I just consider myself a really lucky guy because I have two businesses that I co-own and co-found with others. And with those people, I also have trusting relationships. So it just, you know, I think the lesson that I've learned is that if you make the relationship number one and make that the important thing and you don't betray trust in the relationship, you can do a lot. Yes. So based upon your story and thinking about that person out there right now about to make your same mistake, what advice would you give them to help them avoid suffering the same fate? One piece. Sure. Um, Sit down and really, really think about if this goes as badly as the worst case scenario and if that person who you're in business with is angry, humiliated, despairing, whatever it is, what could you do up front to set the stage to be helpful, to let them know that you're still their friend, to not let this bad decision or bad investment ruin the friendship that you have? And if you make the investment up front in thinking it through and having that conversation, most likely you could mitigate that bad outcome. Beautiful. Great learning. So last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? I am so involved right now in advising quite a number of companies, and my goal is to help them to flourish as best I can this year and to avoid those kinds of mistakes. And that's why you're a valuable advisor, because you've seen it and you've been through it just like myself and just like our listeners. So, well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. For more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Catherine, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? This is such a great format. I've enjoyed the previous podcasts and thank you so much for having me. Amen. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, but most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.